Hey everyone, and welcome to The Year Was, the podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party, causing all your friends to question, hey, who invited you? Like, seriously, why are you here? I'm your host, Michael Montalvo, and for the next few minutes, we will swim through the river of time to try and find out what makes today truly unique. In this episode, we examine the events that occurred September 28th. Imagine with me, if you will, a world where a single illness causes a global pandemic. Never mind that jokes have been done to death at this point. COVID wasn't the first epidemic, and it certainly won't be the last. The most notable one of the last century, aside from polio. Hang on, let's talk about that real quick. So the year was 1949, and the Second World War had just ended. The world was largely working to get itself back to normal. And while polio was not a new thing, the last major outbreak prior to this was in 1916 and saw the deaths of 6,000 people. By 1918, people were leaving cities and avoiding activities like swimming, movies, and public gatherings because no one was really sure how it was spread at the time. The idea was to use an abundance of caution, and it was during this time, well, actually the 1930s, that saw the introduction of the iron lung and a reduced death rate of victims. By 1949, it had swept the nation, leaving behind children in wheelchairs, crutches, leg braces, and with deformed limbs. By 1952, 57,000 cases were reported and 3,145 had died. But as bad as all this was, it was actually pretty low compared to the topic of today's episode. The Spanish Flu. The Spanish flu, often considered the deadliest pandemic in human history, saw the deaths of 50 to 100 million people worldwide, which was actually about 2 to 3% of the world's population at the time. For comparison, this is about five times the amount of deaths that the world saw during World War I. We don't really know where this particular strain of flu began, but we do know that it was first noticed in Europe, Asia, and the Americas. However, The Spanish got the strain particularly bad, and it was because of the news of Spain that the flu strain got its name. In truth, Spain was the only one really reporting news of the flu, and that's why it's called the Spanish flu. The French actually called it the French flu. It could strike at any time and could affect anyone, including the previously healthy, although I guess that could be said of any illness, really. And a whopping 40% of the Navy and 36% of the American Army became ill with it. A figure I read from History.com stated that more American soldiers actually died from the flu than the war. It was also, actually, these soldiers that helped the spread of the flu from places like Europe to remote Alaskan communities and even the White House. Hospitals were overloaded with patients, communities implemented quarantines, and public gatherings were temporarily shut down. Masks were recommended, handshakes discouraged, and outdoor life began to trickle away for the safety of the inside world. A ban on spitting was put into place, hoping to stop the spread of the virus. The Boy Scouts would actually hand out cards to people that they saw spitting that read, You are in violation of the sanitary code. I wanted to be sure to mention this because of how crazy it was, but doctors at the time were prescribing toxic levels, about 30 grams of aspirin, to help alleviate the symptoms of the flu, and it's now believed that many of the deaths that occurred in October of 1918 
were brought about as a result of this aspirin poisoning. This may surprise you to hear, but some cities and countries and people downplayed the whole seriousness of the flu and its danger. Can you even imagine that? So in the summer of 1918, soldiers returned home and spread the disease to family and friends. And in order to appear patriotic, the media downplayed this. One city, the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, was hit particularly hard, and that all came down to a parade. The year was 1918, and on this day, the Liberty Loan Parade was held, causing a major outbreak and spread of the Spanish flu in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's not like the city didn't know about it. It's just bad decisions were made. The director of public health, Dr. Wilmer Crucian, insisted that the increasing deaths were totally nothing to worry about. It's absolutely not the Spanish flu, just the regular, everyday flu. The head of Philadelphia's Naval Hospital told the public ledger in the days before the parade, There is no cause for further alarm. We believe we have it well in hand. Comforted by this, the parade was held and hundreds of thousands of Philadelphians attended the parade and then things took a turn. Thousands became infected. Only two days after the parade, Crucian issued the statement, The epidemic is now present in the civilian population and is assuming the type found in naval stations and army camps. Within 72 hours, hospitals were full with the sick, and it's actually estimated that within the week, 45,000 people were infected with the flu. At first, things didn't seem so bad, but by October, the mortality rate spiked past a number unmatched by any other city worldwide. Within 10 days of the parade, over 1,000 were dead, and 200,000 more were sick. With the war still in effect, many of the health professionals were in military service and the city was just unprepared for this level of illness and death. Crucian would later say, If you would ask me the three things Philadelphia most needs to conquer the epidemic, I would tell you, nurses, more nurses, and yet more nurses. It was then that Philadelphia began to take preventative measures, but the damage had really already been done, and by March of 1919, over 15,000 Philadelphians had lost their lives. According to one article I read, bodies were left to rotten homes with the smell of death around you. In the end, thousands were buried with the assistance of the Catholic Church, although many without headstones or markers. By the summer of 1919, the flu seemed to have run its course as people died or developed immunity. Now, obviously, there have been other major pandemics since, and there will be more in the future. But I don't really have a way to end this episode. I thought I would just think of something here. The year was 1928, and on this day, September 28th, Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin. Briefly, he discovered that his culture dishes were contaminated with a fungus that was antibacterial. It's widely considered to be one of the most important discoveries of the 20th century, and honestly, it deserves more than just this brief mention here, so I will do an episode on Fleming in the future. That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps us in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the It Was Audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and at YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Kreitz Band for our musical theme. 
and thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.